Come on now, come on, come on. Now check this out, check this out. Don't miss this minute, okay, don't miss this minute. Just think of where you would be today if every single thing ever to happen in your life was led by the Spirit of God and you followed it. Somebody say, wow to that, huh? That's why it'd be something else, okay? Now, before you turn around and sit down, why don't you do something for me, okay? I want to say hi to our online people. We keep hearing different stories of people all over checking us out online. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn around and look at that camera right back there in the middle, and everybody scream and wave, okay? Hey, online people, good to have you, okay? That was really chintzy, okay? You can have a seat, all right? Okay, we're gonna wrap up uh, this GOAT series, the greatest of all time. And so we've been having fun with the GOAT vote, uh, kind of get in the mood for that and get to set the stage for it. So we've been voting on uh, greatest coffee shops and greatest NBA players. And so we're gonna do one more vote on this weekend, okay? So you gotta get your phone ready and pull up our app. It's a great time. If you don't have our app at East side, go ahead and do it. Check Discovery side on the Apple store. You'll find it. Go ahead and pull it up. And this vote matters. Somebody say amen, okay? This vote has some skin in it because here's what we're going to vote on. We have a little thing called Pathway here, and we're gonna talk about Pathway here in a few minutes. I'm gonna explain what that is, but it's one of the biggest things we do here at Eastside. And before Pathway happens, we eat a meal. We have a free meal we provide, and so we're gonna vote on the greatest Pathway meal of all time, and we're gonna feed you that meal according to what wins, okay? So we're gonna add all the tabulations of all our services, and the winner is gonna be that. So it might be a Taco Bar, okay? Give it up for Taco Bars. Anybody okay? It might be burgers and dogs on the grill, okay? On the grill, and it might be uh, for you people on uh, Social Security fried chicken, okay? Now, y'all know, y'all know I'm telling the truth, okay? So we want you to open up the app, and we want you to vote, and while you're doing that, let me tell you a little bit about Pathway. So you kinda gotta double uh, your things here, okay? Vote and listen to this. Tuesday, on the 17th of April, on May, May, I'm one month late. Tuesday, May 17th, a couple weeks from now, at six o'clock is Pathway in our church. And dude, I hope every one of you are there, okay? It is incredible. We'll start out with a meal. We're gonna find out in a minute what we're gonna eat, okay? And then after our meal, then you go to one of four classes. You go to first point, second point, third point, and fourth point, okay? That's all you do, one of those classes, and you go in order. So first time you come, you go to first point. We talk about how you become a member of our church, how if you're not baptized and a Christian yet, we teach you how to do that. And so that is big, big time that you go to first point, okay? Second point, we help you in ministry. We help you find an area to volunteer and serve. It takes hundreds of people to do what we do on the weekend. And so this helps you find an area. Third point, gets you in a life group, a smaller group of people you become friends with, you meet with, you grow in Christ together, you support each other. They just become your people, OK? 
okay? We help you in third point to do that. And fourth point, if you're kind of confused about the Bible, how do you read the Bible, what's the Bible about, we teach you about the Bible. So uh, Pathway is just, it's our bread and butter. It's what we do. And we want you there. We want you there. Tuesday, May 17th, I checked out TV listings. It's garbage all night, okay? So Tuesday, be there on May 17th, but you got to register, okay? So get on our app, our website. We got QR codes out there. You can look at those, and, and that'll get you going for Pathway, okay? So you want to know what we're going to eat, okay? Free, okay? So we're going to put all the services together, but we all know Thursday people are the best, okay? So even if you don't pick the one, we may go ahead and let you do it, okay? Here we go. All right, so the winner of the greatest meal for Pathway is... Taco bar. Oh, man. I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to bring my own doggone burger, okay? Taco bar that night. All right, let's jump into this idea of the GOAT vote again, the great series. Jesus is the greatest of all time. And that's what we've been trying to teach for about um, a month and a half and it's been a fun series, been a good series. I'm thankful for my brother Luke last week who knocked it out of the park, got a chance to watch him online, and just been a good, good time to open up this idea of Jesus being the greatest of all time. And you are in a treat because it's gonna finish uh, this, this weekend, it's gonna finish with a bang. Now let me set the stage for it. A couple weeks ago, I'm driving down Veterans Parkway out here, and something happens to me that's happened to all of us in the room. I'm looking at those gas prices. Somebody say, oh, okay. I never in my life ever thought I'd see a four as a first number. I never dreamed we'd be, so I'm bemoaning the gas price. I'm driving down Veterans Parkway, moaning about it. And I remembered what happened a number of years ago. I shared this with a, a few of you one time. As I was coming down Veterans Parkway back in the day, a number of years ago, and there's a gas station on the north side of Veterans Parkway right down the road here, and they just built that new one on the south side. And that had been here for maybe a week. And those two gas stations, I found out later, they agreed to do this. They picked a day during lunch hour, last for one hour, and they had a gas war. And the price of the gas, as I remember, was right at a dollar a gallon. They were giving gas away for an hour. And cars <laughs> were going crazy, okay? And so I pulled into the gas station on the north side. And I waited until my turn. I got up there and I'm pumping gas. And I noticed that not only is gas about a buck a gallon, but they were giving away free drinks and free hot dogs. And so the place was crazy, man. It's going nuts. Like, we've never had anything like this in all of our life. And I'm pumping gas, and I noticed a car that had driven on that gas station had come up, and it had pulled up in towards up to the gas station, and it had the window down on the driver's side. And there's a lady uh, sitting there in the driver's seat of her car, and she's chomping on her free hot dog and drinking her free drink. And I'm putting my gas in. I'm watching this. Y'all know what I do for a living? Because that has something to do with this, okay? So I'm pumping my gas. And I happen to look over at her, and she's chawing away and eating her hot dog and drinking her drink. And she got her window down, and she apparently got done with her hot dog. And she took a little plastic thing that was in and the wrapper and a little bag and stuff, and she just 
threw it out of her window right there on the, on the ground. Just threw it out. And she had a big old cup thing, and it was probably half full still. Apparently she was done, and she just, she just threw it out. It just splattered all over the ground, and I'm pumping my gas, minding my business. And I saw that, and I lost my mind for a minute. <laughs> and I'm thinking, we got free gas and free hot dogs and free drinks, and she doesn't have enough appreciation for any of this that she just disrespected everybody and just threw her garbage right on the ground of this place. And I'm pumping my gas, and I'm thinking, I'm going to go lay into her. And so I look down, make sure I don't have my Eastside Christian Church shirt on, okay? <laughs> it's a dangerous thing to wear, bro. You got to think about where you're going to be all day long before you put that on. And so I walk up to her car, totally out of character, completely out of character for me. And I walk up and I say to her, what are you doing? And she said, what are you talking about? I said, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You threw your garbage on the ground. She goes, I didn't do that. I said, ma'am, you are a liar. I called her a liar to her face. You are a liar. I watched you just do that. And then I told her, get out of, like she was my, you know, eight-year-old daughter. Get out of the car and pick it up. And she said, I ain't doing that. I said, yes, you are. I am losing my mind. And finally, she said I was crazy and put it in reverse and peeled out. And while she took off, I'm screaming at her. You're what's wrong with the world. You're what's wrong with the world. And I picked her stuff up. This is total truth. I put it in the, gas, the, the, the can there, and I walk back to my car, and I grab the pump, and I start putting gas in again, and I think, what in the world did I just do? What would compel me to do something like that? And I've thought about that ever since that day a few years ago. Why did I all of a sudden lose my mind? And I want you to hear this. It was because of the vine. It always comes back to the vine. And I got a sneaking suspicion that there's some people in this room that you also have on occasion lost your mind. For a minute or two minutes or a week or a month or a season or some of y'all a lifetime. And if you've ever wondered what is going on with me, it is the vine. It always comes back to the vine every time. Now, you all know this. Seven different times Jesus says, here's who I am. And so they're called the great I am statements. And we've been rifling through those for a number of weeks. We've got six of them under our belt now. These are the things we've looked at. Jesus said, I'm the greatest bread, light, door, shepherd, resurrection way. I just kind of went through all those, but man, if you've been with us, there is some stuff here, isn't there, huh? There is some stuff there. And then we end it on this weekend with the last one. It's the last one that Jesus mentioned. 
John records it for us. And Jesus says, he is the vine. I am the vine. And if you're a church person, you've been through this thing, you kind of know what we're talking about. You've heard that over and over and over. You know about that. Jesus is the vine. We know, we've heard of that, okay? It's a conversation that he's having with his best friends It happens in the 15th chapter of the book of John. It is occurring probably about 24 hours before Jesus died. And we all have heard that over and over in our life. If you're a church person, if you're not a church person, that's okay. You're gonna gonna come up to speed with us here. That Jesus said on this occasion, I am the vine. In fact, he said it two times. Let Let me show you, both times he said it. John 15, verse one. Speaking is Jesus and he said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. And then a little bit later, he repeats the same thing almost in the fifth verse when he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Now, we've all heard it, okay? Again, if you're a church person, you've heard that over and over, but have you ever stopped and asked yourself, what does that mean? What does it mean when Jesus said that he is the vine? What does that mean? And I'm I'm standing with you here on this occasion, and I, I want you to know what my week has been like. Because I've heard my whole life I'm 61 years old, I've heard my whole life about Jesus being the vine. I've I've said he's the vine. And then I sat this week to start all this, and I thought, what in the world does it mean that he's the vine? And I have studied, and I have read, and I have prayed with intensity. I have devoted a large part of my week to that. I've stayed up late at night to read about it and think about it. God, help me see why this is important. Why did you put this in your word? Why do we remember that as church people? Jesus is divine. What does it mean? And what I've discovered as I've done that, that study, I don't know how to study it any more than what I've done. What I discovered as I did that, and I, I seem to discover it more and more with every section of time that I devoted to it, I began to notice that in the description of the vine, don't miss me. You gotta, you gotta stay with me intellectually here for a little bit so that you will see how it applies to your life. I began to discover that under the, under the, the, the concept of Jesus trying to describe what it means to be the vine, that there are two words that I'm gonna show you in a minute that he kept saying over and over and over. And if you read John 15 and you're, you're thinking about, okay, Jesus is the vine, your eyes and your mind kind of key in on the vine. But what we don't really see is that Jesus describes it with these other words. And these words are these two right here. Fruit, and he uses it eight times. And the word remain, and he uses it 11 times. And if you want a concrete understanding of what it means when Jesus said, hey, catch this, this is the last one, baby. I am the vine. You wanna know what that means? You gotta look at it in light of those words. 
Those words are the key to the vine. Eight times fruit, 11 times remain. I've said this over and over. You've heard me over and over say, when the Bible is repetitive, pay attention to that. So it's not a mistake. These words happen over and over. So let me take you on a little journey and let's just kind of play with these words a little bit and let's start with the idea of fruit and let's think through that a little bit about this idea of fruit. Now, when Jesus used the I am statements, the seven of them, many of them were word pictures. They were kind of metaphors. Bread, light, door. It was like an object that he said, think of that object and that's who I am. And so it's the same thing with this last one when he brings up this idea of vine and in that day and age, in the first century, when he said, I'm the vine, everybody there who heard him knew what he was talking about. He was talking the plant of the, of the crop that produced grapes that made wine. They knew all about what he was talking about. And so you've got the vine that literally comes out of the ground. It's the main shoot that is coming out of the ground. And then there are these branches that, that, that feed off of the vine. And then at the end of the branches are these grapes, the fruit. And eight different times while Jesus was talking about the vine, he was referencing the fruit so if you want to know what the vine is, you got to know what the fruit is. So what on earth did he mean when he talked about the fruit? Do you think he was giving some incredible lesson the night before he died about wine? Of course not. So what did he mean by fruit? What did he mean by that? Well, the truth is he never describes it. Nowhere in the 15th chapter does he say, okay, I want you to think of, 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 of the fruit that it means that he never comes up with that. And so you're either left to say, well, I guess we don't know what it is, or you start realizing that the rest of the Bible gives us hints about what fruit is in the eyes of Jesus. Now, don't lose me. You might remember a time, in fact, it happened at the end of one of his sermons early in his ministry when he said, now, I want you to know how you can tell the difference between somebody who is chasing after God and somebody who is ignoring God. How can you know the difference? You go to work, you go to school, you go to, go to the mall, you drive down the road, and you see somebody say, okay, I want to know, are they chasing after God or are they ignoring God? How do you know the difference? Jesus said, I'm glad you asked, I'll tell you. Anybody remember what he said? Check this out. He said this, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Pay attention to their fruit. And so we know by that that what Jesus is referring to when he talks about fruit is he's talking about something that you can see in a person. It's something of, of who they are. It's, it's how they act. You can look at their life and you can see and feel the fruit. Now the Apostle Paul did the same thing. He was writing one time, and many of you, if you're Bible people, you'll remember this. 
where he was writing to a particular church and he said, hey, listen, he goes, I'm gonna talk to you that Jesus said, there's a way to tell the difference between those who chase after God and those who ignore God. And the apostle Paul said, let me kind of talk about the same thing. There's a difference between those who are filled up with God, man, and those who are filled up with Satan. There's a difference. And when he started talking about those who are filled up with God, chasing God, he used the analogy, well, what? Fruit. And so you might remember that, Galatians chapter five. Look what he said. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Watch this. Those are godly characteristics of behavior. And so what we understand about what Jesus is doing when he says, I'm the vine. What do you mean by vine, dude? We start talking about the fruit. The fruit are the godly qualities of character in people who chase after God. That's what fruit is. It is taking the understanding that we behave in a certain way, we act in a certain way if we chase after God, and that is our fruit. It's our character. And it's interesting that when you take that analogy then and you go back to John 15, now it all starts to make sense. And if you hang with me just a few more minutes on the intellectual side of this, this is gonna blow your socks off, okay? Jesus started talking about how big of a deal Fruit is character, the way you live, the way you act, how big of a deal that is if you belong to him. For example, Jesus in chapter 15 of John says, fruit, character, godly traits of behavior and attitude. He said this about him. He said, those are expected and essential. Notice how he said it in this verse. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. How do people know that you're a disciple? By the fact of your fruit that they see, your character, the way you walk, the way you talk, who you are. And I want you to listen to this. God expects our Christian character to be so obvious that everyone around us knows who we are. And so let that get a little bit under your grill. Let it get a little nasty with you. Do your neighbors know that you are linked to Jesus? Do the people you work with know where you go to church? Do the friends who know you the best see a consistency in who you say you are and who you actually are? This is expected, gang, that there is fruit and character that is godly from our life. God says, I expect that of you. Jesus then went on to say that if it is not happening in your life, if the fruit's not there, he then says it ought to be constantly growing more and more, more fruit tomorrow than what is happening today. And he says something that rattles your brain if you let it deal with you, okay? And I want you to let it deal with you here for a second because he says this, look at this. Every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You know what that means? If you're living a life 
where you say you chase after God and your fruit is not showing, your character that is godly is not everybody. Here's what God says. I may have to prune some stuff in your life. I may have to bring some hardship and some trouble and some difficulty in your life so that you will develop fruit in the midst of that. Now, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Listen carefully. Character is developed in the ditch, not the mountaintop. Am I right? And God says, if I got to do that, then that's what we're going to do. And then if that's not enough to say, man, this is a big deal to God. Notice what Jesus says that I think is, it, it, just, it just takes the cake. He says in the second verse, check this out, that he, God the gardener, will cut off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Do not miss that. People who want to be identified with Jesus but don't resemble Jesus aren't allowed to stay in the family very long. Somebody say, wow. Now, I want you to take a breath with me, make sure that this kind of sunk into. Again, we're, we're in, the, in the technical kind of intellectual part of this. This idea of our lives being a reflection of Christian character, that is, that is so important. And Jesus is making crystal clear in this text that it's so important. So let me ask you this question. How come we stink at it? If it's that big, how come we stink at it? If God says, man, this is non-negotiable, this has to happen, how come we're not very good at it? How come you lose your mind at a gas station? How come we lose our joy when life gets a little heavy and we walk around moaning and complaining? How come we get mad at people who don't hold our political views? How come we get impatient with a waitress who messed up our order? How come we find ourselves going back to the same old bad habits because our self-control has the strength of a toothpick? So if God says, man, fruit is so big, it is so important, and I think of that, and I go, how come I stink at it so bad then? That I want, I want the fruit of my life to be juicy and shiny. And sometimes I might display a little bit of that, but the reality is most of the time it's just rotten and decomposing. Well, why is that? It's because of the second word that describes Jesus being the vine, and that is the word remain. It comes up 11 times. It's the key of the 15th chapter. And so if you're with me, you're kind of intellectually here, and I'm starting to move the heart a little bit for you, and you're engaged with me right now, and you're understanding, man, God says this is big time, man. How you live, your character, how you view yourself, how people see you. God wants you to have his character. You say, man, it's a big deal, but dude, I, just, I just don't do good with it. And, and if you're there, I want you to hear the secret of fixing that is the word remain. Now let's take a minute and look at it. When I was a little kid growing up, we had a, we had a nasty 
apple tree in our side yard. I asked my sister about it uh, tonight who's here and said, you remember that tree? Oh, yeah. We hated that tree. It had nasty, nasty, rotten, terrible apples that would fall to the ground. It's my job to pick all them dogs up. So that's probably why I remember why I hated it. And uh, we didn't have the money or the desire uh, really to kind of fix that thing up and make it nice. And so uh, we eventually just cut that thing down. And that was a long, long time ago. And I can't remember a lot about that, but I do remember my dad one time telling me, here's what it would take to kind of fix that. And I don't remember everything he said, but I remember the important things. And I remember him talking about the fact, you can't just go to one of the rotten apples on the tree and spray it with something, and you know, tomorrow it's going to be, wow, let's, let's grab that thing. You, you just can't treat the apple, and you can't you know, clean off a branch or a limb or something. And I remember him describing that the key to the fruit was the tree. He said the roots and the tree is what makes healthy fruit at the end of the branch. It wasn't about the fruit, it wasn't about the branch, it was about the tree. And that is exactly the image that Jesus is bringing up here. If you wanna know what he meant when he said, I'm the vine, this is what he was talking about. When you and I decide to be numbered among the family of God, it is expected by God that we display his unique character to everybody around us. But that character, that fruit, listen, it ain't in us. We don't have it, you know why? Because we're just a branch. Branches don't have the fruit. Where's the fruit? The vine. That's where the fruit is. And so Jesus says, I'm the vine. I've got all that in me that's here. And you say, well, then how can I get it? How do you get it? You gotta connect to the vine as the branch. And if you're not connected to the vine, guess what's not gonna happen? You're never gonna have fruit. You gotta connect to the vine. The character, the fruit is Jesus. And so if you want Jesus in your life, you have to make sure that you are connected to where the fruit comes from, and that's the vine. And with that understanding, now you know why it's so important that he uses the word remain over and over and over and over. The branch, don't miss me, the branch has to remain connected to the vine. Now watch how he says it, and now it all makes sense. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Why? Because we don't have fruit. It must remain in the vine. Is that making sense now? Huh? Is that making sense? Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. The branch has to connect to the vine. It has to remain there. He goes on and describes it in the fifth verse in the same analogy. I am the vine. You're just the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And so, Dave, why is it sometimes 
that I have a hard time displaying godly character in my life sometimes because your branch is not connected to the vine. And when you see someone who just, just, just emits a beautiful Christian character, dude, how are you doing that? You must be connected to the vine because it's all about the vine. Now, you stop there for a second, and, and that's why our mission at Eastside here is to conform our lives to the likeness of Christ. That's what we do. We say it all the time. You see it when you come in the building, conforming our lives to the likeness of Christ. We don't say to you at the end of our service, now, go out and be good people. Just go be good people. We don't say that. Why? Because you're not good. It's okay to laugh about that, okay? You, you, you might be able to be a little good, but we're just branches. Don't go be good people. Go be connected to the vine, the likeness of Christ, and then fruit will come from you. Fruit will not come unless you're to the vine. And so all of John 15 comes down to one thing. I'm gonna make this statement, you're gonna see it, and we'll talk about how to make it happen in our life, and, and we're going to get kind of real with this. So here's what John 15 is about. My connection to the vine, and you know now we're talking about Jesus. My connection to the vine will determine my character to the world. Somebody say, I got it. Anybody, okay, about eight of you are with me, okay? My connection to the vine will determine my character to the world. So if that's true, and it is, then the logical question is, how can I stay connected? How can I remain connected to the vine? And that's where I'm gonna get real with you here for a little bit, because that is a challenging proposition. There are certain things in our life and we're all different about this. There are certain things that happen in our life, that we do in our life, that strengthen the connection to the vine. And, and when, when we do whatever those things are, and we figure them out in our life, that when I do that, I'm, I'm, I'm remaining stronger, then the result of that is then we got all this fruit showing to the world. And conversely, there are things that we do in our life that are different from everybody. Everybody's got a different answer to this. There are certain things that I do in my life that weaken my connection to the vine. Every time I do it, this gets weak. This connection loosens. And what happens? No fruit or bad fruit. And so the challenge for those who want to work through it, and I get it that when you come to a church service, not everybody's going to walk out of here and, and going to do this, but some of you will, and I will count this as a victory if you do, and that is serious, selfish, internal evaluation. This will take more than 30 seconds of thought on your part to ask yourself, what are the things that I do that strengthen the connection, and what are the things that I do that weaken the connection? Now, just because I don't like the idea of asking you to do something that I don't do, I spent time this week doing that. 
And this is not a 30-second evaluation. This will take some time when you can be alone. And you can be completely honest with yourself and say, I've noticed when I do these things, my Christian character shines better. And so I want to make sure I keep doing those things because those help me remain to the vine. And then be honest with yourself and say, I've noticed when I'm involved in these things that my fruit doesn't look so good anymore. And those are weakening those. And so I just kind of evaluated that, and I'm not going to show you my whole list because <laughs> it's none of y'all business. It's my business, okay? But I want to just show you a few things that, that kind of will give you an idea of what I'm talking about. And so in my own life, I think about that for me, and again, this is different for everybody. There's probably some things that are consistent, but we all kind of have different answers to this. So for me, as I evaluated it, what are the things that when I do these things, my fruit is just, I mean, it's juicy, and, and it just really, man, it shows the character of God. What is it about that? One of those things for me is this right here. That when I gather with the family of God, when I'm here, and I'm not talking about getting up and preaching, I'm talking about being in the presence of the family of God. That whether that's a Thursday night or whether it's a Sunday, or if I'm traveling somewhere on the weekend and it's walking into a body of believers that I don't even know anybody, when I walk in to the presence of the family of God, I can literally feel my branch engaging into the vine. It just does that to me. I think that's why God makes that such a big deal. I hear that from people all the time. And so you know me, those of you know me, and you know one of the things that I talk about all the time, and I will never quiet that voice, is the value, the incredible value of the people of God coming together on a regular basis. Why is that such a big deal? And critics say, because you want to have more people come to your church. You are so dumb to say something like that. Why is that such a big deal? Because it increases our fruit. And for me, it just does that. And I notice if there's ever time, and it hardly ever happens in my life, largely because of what I do, when I'm not here on the weekend, when I'm not with the people of God, I have really bad weeks that follow that. And I hear people tell me that all the time. So for me, the gathering with the family of God is just one of the things that strengthens my branch to the vine. Reading the Bible does that for me. Five minutes alone with God, just so I can say, hey, here's what's going on in my head right now. I just make sure those things get fit into my schedule. And I'm as busy as you are, but I make sure, because if they're not there, then the fruit tends to weaken a little bit. This might be a little bit more unique than general. I don't know how many people it applies to, but it's just kind of one of the things I'm getting a little bit more transparent for you. I've noticed that one of the things that strengthens my branch to the vine, for me, is when I serve my wife. And I don't want you to get a feeling that I got that all taken care of and that I'm good at, because I'm not. I've been married for 40 years and I still don't have this thing figured out, but when I intentionally place her above everything and everyone in my life, as God has commanded me in scripture to do as a husband, it's not just a blessing to my marriage, it strengthens my connection to the vine. And so if I wanna have good character and good fruit, how do I do that? 
One of the ways, I just love my wife that does that for me. And so one of the things I want you to think about, I really do, I'm pleading with you to take some time alone soon where you ask yourself, what, what does that for me? When I do that, my Christian character just jumps off the page, man. Then here's the challenge. Then do it. Do more of it because God expects it. Now here's the hard part. Are there things that when I do these things and I get involved in them, I can just feel the branch separating from the vine. I can just feel it getting weak. And I feel it because there's not fruit at the end of the branch. And I, I go be rude to somebody at a gas station that I don't even know. And I notice that there's some things that when I do those things, it, it weakens that. I heard a friend of mine say not long ago that for him, one of those things was sports. And, and he talked about the idea that, he, in fact, this guy's a really good athlete. He loves to watch sports on TV. I mean, he's just into sports. And he just says, I, I do all that stuff, but I notice that if I'm not careful and I get too engaged in it, sometimes it just takes me to a different level and it turns me into somebody that I'm not and it just kind of weakens my relationship with God. And I remember when he was talking about that, I remember thinking, That's, I'd probably do that too. And if I'm honest about it, I, I love sports. So if you know me, I love it. I've played sports all my life. I love to watch sports. I live in the sports world. And I notice that when I, get, when I get too much into it and not careful about it, it will do something to me. And it ruins my fruit at the end of the branch. I remember one time, I think maybe one of the saddest days of my life, really, I think back, and sad, I don't mean, you know, discouraged, I mean just, I'm, I'm so sorry about that. I'm, I'm coaching Little League. These kids are six, seven, you know, they're, they're, they're nothing, okay? They're just young kids out there. And in the league we played out, we let the older kids umpire so they could learn a little more of the game. And so our umpires maybe 13, I don't know. And um, it's a game that means nothing about nothing, okay? And, and the umpire called a call that went against us, and I went out to him, and I said these words, and I quote, it must be a shame to go blind at such an early age. <laughs> and everybody who heard that, the stands were all laughing and cracking up, and they thought it was silly and cute. And then after the game, I heard that somebody explained to him that I was a pastor at one of the local churches, and that broke my heart. That absolutely broke my heart. It's an example of where something really good and harmless, I just kind of let it get to me too much, and it ended up disconnecting the branch a little bit. Last, last uh, winter during football season, I was watching a football game in my family room, and where I sit and watch my screen, you can see through an area of our home, you can see up in the kitchen, and my wife's up in the kitchen, and I'm watching my team, okay, and uh, one of our, our players, this National Football League, one of our players uh, dropped the ball in the end zone, and I yelled out, you're terrible! I remember yelling that. I don't yell by myself in the room. And I yell, you're terrible! And I, what I remember is my wife just kind of jumped and looked down at me. Now, I didn't hear God. <laughs> I didn't hear the voice of God. But I'm telling you, I sense something. I sense something saying to me, Okay, so if, if he's terrible, a professional football player, if he's terrible, what's that say about you plopped on a couch 
eating your third bowl of Fruit Loops tonight. You know, if that's terrible, what are you? And I, I just remember realizing, particularly when I looked at my wife and she was shocked by that. Okay, that, that just got it just too much there. And for some people, it's good things. And if you get really serious about this, you might find that there's good, harmless things that you kind of maybe don't hold your guard up a little bit, and it weakens that branch and that connectivity to the vine. I shared with Susan this week, and I, I don't even know if it's right for me to say it, but I'm, I'm just going to tell you because I'm transparent about it, is I, I shared this with her and how that can happen to us if we're not careful. And um, we live in a world today where there is an anti-God, anti-Judeo-Christian value system that is pushed at us at every angle. And it is saturated and snuck into our favorite television shows. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And it has, it has got into our social media platforms and it has influenced our education systems. And it has become so rampant and so big that it's everywhere we go and in everything we do. And if I'm not careful, I am the lead pastor of an incredible church. And if I'm not careful, I've found myself at times when I'm innocently watching a television show that I like or when I'm catching up on news that I have found myself sympathizing with things that God detests and laughing at things that break his heart. And when that happens, because I didn't have my guard up, my branch weakens. See, what we're talking about today, we're gonna to be done here in a few minutes, we're, we're talking about something that God says, let me tell you, this is so important to me that good fruit is shown in your life. This is so important to me that if it's not happening, I'm gonna to try to cause it to happen, and if it doesn't happen then, then I don't want you part of the family. That's how big this is. And if it's that big to God, then I gotta figure out in my life what will bring a strong connection to the vine, and I gotta do it, and I gotta figure out what weakens the connection to the vine, and I gotta fix that. It's that big. <clears throat> I read an article last night that broke my heart, and I wanna tell you about it. A couple weeks ago, there was a conference in downtown Louisville called T4G, Together for the Gospel. There were 12,000 Christian leaders who came from all over the world, and they convened down in downtown Louisville, Kentucky, and they gathered for three days of workshops and training and inspiration. And those who do what I do for a living, I, I know some of the people who led that, and we're talking big, 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 big names in the Christian kingdom. 
And they gathered together in downtown Louisville and they invited leaders and pastors and, 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 and volunteer leaders of churches. They invited the best of the best in the kingdom. And 12,000 of them gathered in downtown Louisville, Kentucky about a week and a half ago. One of the people that was among the 12,000 is a journalist for a Christian organization. And when the conference came to an end after three days, he started wondering something. They were near the end of the conference and he wondered. So we've been down here for three days. There have been 12,000 people in downtown Louisville who aren't normally here. And they're the cream of the crop. They're the best we got in the kingdom. And he wondered that between sessions, you know, you're out going to a restaurant or you're going over to a coffee shop and you're doing different things at establishments in the downtown area. And he wondered, I wonder after three days of the best of the best in the kingdom being out in the downtown, he wondered, and his wording was, was the scent of the gospel portrayed? Is the scent of Jesus, the aroma of Christ, is it still floating around in downtown Louisville? You would think with 12,000 liters of Jesus followers, the smell of our fruit would still be hanging around. He, he shared this with a buddy of his at the conference, and they said, well, let's go, let's go find out. And so they went outside their hotel. They grabbed one of those little scooters that uh, some of you all know about, and they got on that, and they started going to establishments, talking to people at the establishments. They chose seven. They chose some, some sit-down restaurants that you would know if I said. They chose a couple of, of uh, fast food places. They went to some um, coffee shops, and they interviewed the hostesses of restaurants. They interviewed the people behind the cafe registers, they interviewed uh, baristas at coffee shops, and they asked them two questions, two very simple questions. Number one, how were you treated by all these people this week? And number two, do you know why they're here? He then wrote an article that summarized his findings. It's not a scientific data thing. It's just his observations did the best of the best leave the aroma of Christ here? He talked to all these people and not one person, not one person told them of anything like a pleasing aroma. Not one person mentioned the scent of the gospel. They had some people that gave general answers. Oh, they were fine, it was okay. But what stood out was those who used words like this, rude, not well, very rude, left the place a mess. When they asked them, do you know who these people are? Do you know where they came from? Do you know why they were here? No one could tell why they were here. Many of them said, I think it was something to do with some kind of a religious thing going on here. The closest that anybody said to who they are was a hostess at one of the sit-down restaurants who said, I think they might have been Baptist, and oh, they are the worst. How does a mass of people who represent the best we have in our faith how does a group of people like that convene in a short, small area and no one 
noticed any fruit. It's because of the vine. And when you and I leave here, we're not going to go to a large conference, but we're going to go home and we're going to go to work and we're going to go to school and we're going to go to the ball field and we're going to go to the gas station. And we got to do better. The key is your connection to the vine. Find out what strengthens it and do it. And find out what weakens it and change it.